Lord, we love you, and we need your word. We uh, don't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from your mouth. And so especially as we're in a moment here of reflecting on the past year and wanting to set things well, set things up well for 2015, we need the word of God. We need your word to us. We need your written word. Jesus, you are the word. We need your living word. So Holy Spirit, we're asking that you'd come and uh, give us that word. Thank you, Lord. Prepare our hearts even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I am just right off the bat going to tell you I'm a little... Uh, feeling a little self-conscious only because when you do church in the round, that's when you really should really have your message internalized. But I have to refer to a lot of notes today. It's been a shorter week, so I ask for your forgiveness, and I will look up at you as much as I can and know that I'm wanting to connect with each one of you, okay? (laughs) So just bear with me on that. As much as we might want to, it would be a mistake for us to forget all the events of 2014. As much as we may wish to, it would be short-sighted and not good for us to forget the events of 2014. It's kind of like ignoring your credit card debt or pretending that you don't have to pay taxes. You can be in denial for a little while, but eventually, I know from personal experience, that that comes to get you, right? So it's the same thing. So... Bear with me, and let's just, can I just give you my adaptation of CNN's year in review? Here's the year in review from CNN. A mudslide in Washington State kills 43 people. The Ebola virus comes to the United States. In April, an Army specialist killed three people at Fort Hood in Texas before taking his own life. In California, Elliot Roger killed four men and two women at UC Santa Barbara before killing himself. Back in July on Staten Island, probably most of you will know this, Eric Garner died after a policeman had him in a chokehold. He said eight times, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, and he died. Michael Brown, the teen in Ferguson, Missouri, is shot and killed by a white police officer, Darren Wilson. And of course, the events in Ferguson afterwards are... Just unbelievable. We also, I'm just sharing domestic things right now. We also had some things that were frustrating, I think, in our governance. And I'm not trying to raise hackles here or irritate you, but a couple of things. We discovered this year that the architect of our Affordable Health Care Act, quote, depended on the stupidity of the American taxpayer to get that thing to go through. And now we're all kind of dealing with this inefficiency. VA hospitals have admitted that at least 19 Treatable patients died because of their inefficiencies. And the VA hospital system seems to be a mess. So they have a new CEO who's trying to get that all cleaned up. Same-sex marriage became legal in 12 more states. Again, the feeling there, I just want you to hear this nuance. There's just a grief in our hearts because when states codify things that are against the heart of God, that just is grievous. And the other thing that is a little bit irritating from a governing standpoint is just that a lot of that became the law in that land because the Supreme Court wouldn't hear something. In other words, instead of, instead of addressing it, the Supreme Court just didn't hear an appeal. And as a result, same-sex marriage became um, legal in about six, about half of those 12 states. 
Colorado and Washington legalized marijuana for recreational purposes. We said we'd draw down our troops, but we still have 10,000 troops in Afghanistan. Now let's head internationally, and we recognize that ISIS, this Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, has taken over Fallujah, Mosul, and Tikrit in Iraq. And just to remember these folks in our hearts, James Foley, U.S. journalist, beheaded on video by ISIS. U.S. journalist Stephen Sotloff, beheaded on video by ISIS. British aid worker David Haynes, beheaded on video by ISIS. British aid worker Alan Henning, beheaded on video by ISIS. And finally, American Peter Kasig was beheaded by ISIS. The civil war in Syria rages on. Israel and Palestine have suspended peace talks again. But remember that three Israeli teens were abducted on their way home from school in the West Bank. Their bodies were discovered two weeks later. In retaliation, a Palestinian boy was kidnapped and murdered, likely by right-wing Israeli Jews. Two, and this is recently, two Palestinian cousins wielding a gun and butcher knives came into a Jerusalem synagogue killing four rabbis and one policeman. The The UN Human Rights Commission has said that the abuses in North Korea have reached epic proportions. In Nigeria, 270 teenage girls from a boarding school are disappeared and they've been kidnapped. If you remember Malaysian Airlines Flight 17, it crashed in eastern Ukraine because it was shot down. 300 civilians, poof, gone because of a stray surface-to-air missile. Mexican prosecutors have charged a former mayor in the disappearance of 43 students in Mexico. And just, I think it was just in November, December, Taliban uh, gunmen, you know, Taliban is this um, uh, kind of radical Muslim group. They killed 145 children at a, at a public school. Is this crazy? Okay. <clears throat> political unrest in the, in, in the world. Crimea was annexed. There's a military coup in Thailand. Uh, in Hong Kong, there are pro-democracy protests, and there's uh, people getting hurt during that. North Korea detains two Americans and able to shut down a movie. <laughs> you guys know that? Okay, the interview. Not happening, unless you go to a really small theater. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has rep- uh, released a study saying that um, the cl- climate change's dangers are just irreversible at this point. Malaysian Flight 370 from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing disappeared over the airspace in the Gulf of Thailand. A South Korea ferry capsized, killing 294 people on board, including hundreds of high school students. Air Algeria Flight 5017 crashed in Mali, killing 116. And do you know what happened this morning? Air Asia Flight 8051 has also just disappeared. It's from uh, Surabaya, where we actually have workers to Singapore. There's 162 souls on board that are missing at this hour. And what about your year in review? Let's take it in. Let's take it internally. Think about the seasons of your soul over 2014. As most of you know, Kelsey and I weren't here for about a third of the year because the level of shaking and kind of breaking and breakthrough that God was working in our hearts. And we're so thankful for this church, for the great sabbatical that you gave us. Let's just think through the scenes of your own soul. And of course, with these kind of thoughts, 
And with both things happening globally and the things going on in your soul, we have to ask, God, where are you? What are you doing? And am I going to be safe? Where are you, God? What are you doing? And will I be okay? Those are the questions we have in mind as we turn now to Psalm 46. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Psalm 46. I'll be reading from ESV. You can jive with your translation. Like a lot of psalms, this is a psalm in several acts. Okay? This is a psalm kind of in three acts, three main kind of moves here by the psalmist. I'll do the first one. It's just the first three verses. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Let me read just verse 1 again. Again, this is Act 1 of this three-act psalm. Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge. He is our high place. That means also he's a place of trust. We can trust him. And when it says that he's very present, the psalmist is saying, and if you have the ESV notes, it says he's well proven. In other words, we have experienced his presence in trouble before. We have known that God has been good. Three years ago, when I took a sabbatical, it was 2011, uh, we were in Arizona. And we had the, the uh, pleasure, I guess, of visiting a Titan missile site. Um, all the nuclear warheads in the United States are now on Minuteman missiles. But back and through the 80s, they were on a missile called the Titan. And so we got to go underground and visit this Titan missile site. And, you know, for me and JD, it was a lot of fun. We had our hard hats on. And, you know, the thought just occurred to me as I was down in this underground bunker looking at you know, the thing that some Air Force officers would have had to go into this red uh, safe, you know, unlock it. Uh, they would have turned the keys. They would not have known the name of the target. And we kind of learned how this thing would go. And um, they would have just known it's like either target A, B, or C. They would choose like whatever from on high was coming, target B, press the B button, turn the keys, boom. Anyways, when I was there, happy thoughts for 2014. <laughs> as this whole message is. So when I was there, I just thought, God, it is really a miracle that we haven't nuked ourselves to oblivion. You have been good to us. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just the potential for things to go wrong here between us and other powers. I just think, man, it's just a miracle that we haven't nuked each other to smithereens. And the truth is, for all these things that I just mentioned, is I just kind of listed the litany of kind of destruction and sadness and hurt and pain going on in our world that are reaching these incredible proportions. For everyone, do you know that God is on the move in there somewhere? I think of a report that I just read from Youth with a Mission, a a wonderful organization. And Youth with a Mission in the Ukraine is saying that it's the churches. This is what's great. So things are going crazy in the Ukraine. You know, as Russia and the Ukrainians are just trying to figure out who's going to own what. But churches are opening their doors. 
because there are a lot of refugees in this situation. People are getting displaced. But what's happening is the churches are saying, come in. The, the followers of Jesus are saying, come, let us help you. Let us clothe you. Let us feed you. Let us be of assistance to you. And again, we don't hear that on CNN, but the church is alive and well. And I, I guarantee for every one of these things that we, we just mentioned, there's something going on where God is moving. We just don't get to hear it as much. Verses 2 and 3 again. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Of course, things, many levels going on here. There's, of course, these natural kind of cataclysmic events. But there's also the civil things going on. You know, all these things about humans and nations and people struggling against one another. And then, of course, at the deepest level, there's the spiritual dynamic, the warfare that's going on between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. But no matter what, I believe that what Psalm 46 is saying to us is that no matter what, what matters is God. No matter what goes on, what matters is God. No matter what, what matters is God. And with that, we transition into Act 2 of this psalm. For me, I have to turn the page. It's so dramatic. There we go. And all of a sudden, we get a great change of pace here. So all this craziness goes on, and then boom, verses 4 through 7. Let me share them. Maybe I'll just add a word. But there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, God utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And ooh, this is rich. No matter what, what matters is God. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High, it says in verse 4. Now, we know that there is a good king named Hezekiah. If you remember all the, some of the history of Israel, there's just a lot of bad kings and a few good kings. And Hezekiah was one of the good ones. In other words, in our uh, evangelical parlance, maybe we'd say there was revival in Israel under Hezekiah because of his leadership, his returning people to God's word and getting them to obey him. And it's during Hezekiah's reign that he did bring a river, some water into Jerusalem. And so... Good for him, you know? Good engineering feat, helpful for the city, that's great. But I really don't think that's the psalmist's main concern here. There is a river that makes glad the city of God. That's talking about its presence. It's, it's talking about the life that issues forth from him personally. You know, two people in the biblical record got to really experience or see this river in a visionary way. One was Ezekiel. And you can find that, Ezekiel, I think it's 37. You can check that out on your own. Yeah, it's 47. Sorry, Ezekiel 47. Actually, it's a longer description about, you know, Ezekiel just had a vision of life coming from the temple and a river that was filled with, you know, fish and life and all this good stuff. But God also shared that picture with John, the Apostle John, when he was exiled on the island of Patmos and wrote what we have as our last book, Revelation. 
And I just want to read that little piece there. This is Revelation chapter 2, excuse me, 22 verses 1 to 2. John says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. This is the New Jerusalem. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And check this out. In light of all that we shared about 2014, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There is a river that makes glad the city of God. It's the river of his presence. It's the river that's going to bring life to the nations. It's Jesus. It's what we need. And so we have to live out of this place of drawing from the river. It's the only thing that can make us glad. Whether we're in peace or we're in tumult, we have to draw from that river. In a little bit, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll share with you how, or a couple of ideas that I feel like how we do that. But that river, we just, uh, it's just his presence. It's what we need. <clears throat> In verse 5, I'm just reviewing this Act 2 here. It says, God will help her when morning dawns. What does that mean? Well, back in the day, I guess it's true some today too, but God will help her when morning dawns. When do armies start to move? When does the attack come? The attack comes at dawn. It's at dawn that the army would come and, and say, take Jerusalem or something. But God's promise to you and to me is that he will help us when morning dawns, when people come to fight against us, when the enemy comes at us, uh, God will help us when the morning dawns. Verse 6, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter, but he utters his voice and the earth melts. Again, another great report I want to give you from YWAM. Do you know that the founder of Youth with a Mission is a guy named Lauren Cunningham, incredible man of God, walks by faith, and has just seen a great move of God happen through his faith. He actually met with the Pope recently, which is pretty cool that the, you know, the, the Pope and this guy would be in the same room together. It was, a broke, it was a deal kind of brokered by a mutual friend. But what was so encouraging about Lauren Cunningham's visit with Pope Francis was that both of them were agreed that the, the, the priority, such a high priority to get the Word of God, the Bible, into the hands of as many people as possible. This Pope Francis most recently was, was giving out the Gospel of Mark at St. Peter's Square, and he was saying, everyone needs the Word of God. Everyone should have a copy. You need to read it for yourself. So here's the head of the Catholic Church doing that. And what Lauren Cunningham has said, he has said that by his estimates, it's by 2033 that all 7,000 languages on this planet should have the Word of God. He utters his voice, and the earth melts, Okay. Is craziness going on all around us? Yes. Is, is, is it reaching epic proportions of, of craziness because of just the, the God's plan for history? Yes. But his voice is going forth, and the earth is melting. His voice is going forth. He's changing nations. He's changing people. He's working in Syria. He's working in Egypt. He's working in Afghanistan. He's working in Beverly Farms, believe it or not. He's working in Wenham. And he's working in Atlanta, Georgia. And he is working in every corner of this earth also. Man, actually, let me just, a little landscape of New England. I mean, the resources of the church that are coming to New England are fantastic. There are all sorts of denominations, people, ministries that are sending to New England. And that just makes my heart glad 
Because God hasn't forgot about New England. He sends his voice and the earth melts. Yes, the kingdoms are tottering. You know, yes, crazy things happen. But God is doing a good work. No matter what, what matters is God. And then this last verse of the second act, chapter or verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. There's some great things that God is communicating to us there. He's saying the Lord of hosts is with us. That's the Lord of the armies. That's the general, the commanding general is in charge. So that's who's with us. We've got angelic hosts that are here to help us. What did Jesus say when Peter cut off the ear of the uh, guy who was trying to get him? Jesus said, hey, I could call at any time legions of angels. We got legions of angels at our disposal, okay? God's with us. He hasn't forgotten us. And when he says the God of Jacob is our fortress, you know, he could have just said the God of Israel is with us. Are they not the same person? Was it not Jacob who wrestled with God and came out Israel? He who struggles with God is what Israel means. But why does the psalmist say the God of Jacob? I believe he's communicating something very personal, something very intimate. In other words, the same God who walked with Jacob through all of his failings, through all of his problems, through all of his, uh, you know, Jacob was a deceiver, and then God dealt with him, and God walked with him. And he's saying the God of Jacob is with us. The God who, in other words, he's not going to not help you because you've been bad, (laughs) okay? That's what I take out of it. I've messed up from time to time. It doesn't mean God's withdrawing his presence. That's what men do. That's what people do. We're passive-aggressive. We pull back our presence and we get offended. God doesn't do that. God's the God of Jacob. He pressed into Jacob's brokenness. He pressed into Jacob's problems and delivered him. And God's willing to do the same thing with you and with me. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He's our protector. Amen? All right, Act 2 comes to a close. What matters is God. No matter what, what matters is God. Let's act three here, verses eight to 11. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And then this great quote, be still. Where's David Connectly? I wish he was here. He can say with his deep, deep voice, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts, again, this refrain here, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. No matter what, what matters is God. Now, some of this we have to take on faith. You know, it says he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes cease, makes war cease. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And, you know, I kind of, my, my working thesis here is that there's a lot of things that haven't happened because God is so good, but it's really hard for me to stand up here and, and prove it. We're not going to really know that until heaven, right? How many things didn't happen because of God's goodness? But we believe by faith that God is causing wars to cease. He will stop the violence. And when we get to this great quote, be still and know that I am God, I, maybe I'm the only one, but I think the evangelical take on this is, you know, my toilet's broken. It's overflowing. Oh, God, I need a verse that can help me right now. Okay, be still. Know that I'm God, you know. My kid's pooped in his diapers for the hundred millionth time. Be still. Okay, <laughs> you know, we do that. 
But you know, the, the actual thing going on here is this is God speaking to your enemies, okay? This quote is God speaking to the enemies of God, saying, be still. In other words, stop it. Stop harassing. Stop shooting down planes. Stop killing people. Stop the injustice. God is saying, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And again, it says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Leader of the angelic armies, he's with us. God of Jacob, intimately dealing with you. He's our protection. He's our fortress. Now, I just want to address a couple things. When we come to this, again, the gap between the word of God and the experience, right? The gap between what's happened in 2014, according to CNN, and what the word is saying is so big that we have to, we have to deal with that, don't we? As, as people of integrity, people who want to follow Jesus, we have to deal with the fact that <coughs> there's a large discrepancy here. Why all this tumult? I'm just going to share some scriptures with us. Why all this tumult? Why all this craziness? Why? Why, God, why? series that we did several years ago. The one thing we have to remember, I have a couple of thoughts. One is we have to remember that it's the devil who's the author of evil. It's not God. Can I read from Revelation 12? Revelation 12, 9 to 12 says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. He accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. But where I'm headed here is verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. We have to remember that the epic that we're in is the epic of the devil on the earth. His time is short, and he's got a lot of wrath, okay? So first, let's put blame where blame is due. Yes, on the brokenness of man, but also on the enemy of God and the enemy of our souls, the devil. So he's the author of it. But clearly, God's allowing it, right? The whole book of Job confirms to us that God is allowing the enemy some work, some some freedom in our lives. He's allowing some of that. Why does he do that? Well, let's, Peter and Paul had some thoughts about that. Those are some guys I think we can trust, two guys who laid their lives down for Jesus. Let's see what Paul says. This is Paul from Romans 8, the Apostle Paul. He says, for I consider, uh, Romans 8, 18 to 22, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Here we go. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it and hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Wow, Paul, how come you can't say things cleanly and clearly? It's always a mouthful. The thing I want to underline that he says is, is, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. My point is, God somehow has allowed the creation to be subjected to this this wrestling, this uh, tumult, this 
terrible stuff that goes on that we read about in the newspaper every day. Again, my cell phone was going off. I had to turn off my little my um, notifications because it was, I couldn't go to sleep last night because as this Air Asia thing was happening, every news agency that I subscribed to was, you know, was buzzing. This stuff goes on, and it's awful. And somehow, God has allowed the creation to be subject to this stuff. Now, that's kind of not really super encouraging, is it? <laughs> let's go to Peter to get a little encouraged, right? Thank you, Paul. But let's go to Peter. I like Peter better on this one. <laughs> Peter says this in 2 Peter 3. Uh, he says, I'll just, um, let's go here. Second uh, Peter 3.8, he says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, he's quoting from the Old Testament here, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The only reason that this stuff keeps going on is because what I mentioned before about Lauren Cunningham, so to speak. The fact is that God wants every soul to have a chance of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, I don't know the dates and the times. They're not for me to know. Jesus made that really clear in Acts 1. But, right, Peter says the slowness, because the whole context here is great persecution. When Peter's writing there, it's of great persecution, great trial, great tumult. And he says the only reason that things are slow is because God wants everyone to have a chance to hear about him. He wants salvation of people. Okay, so what do I do with this? Great. God's my fortress. He's a refuge. He's a very present help in trouble. I'm still frustrated. Life is hard. And sometimes I'm scared because all the stuff that goes on in the world. What do I do? What should you do? Let's go back to Peter and Paul. Okay, I got a couple of thoughts for us on what do we do. <laughs> and then I'll share a brief illustration and we will worship. What should you do? Romans 8. So continuing Paul's thought, he says, not only the creation... But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, as children. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. But I want to get here, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Again, what I want to highlight here is what do we do? We cooperate with the Spirit. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I love the picture that God has also given us in Revelation. I know I'm referring a lot to Revelation. I just happen to be there devotionally, so it's in my heart a lot lately. But God gives us this beautiful picture of the prayers of the saints being like incense, and they're mixed with God, and then come rumblings of thunder and lightning. So God takes our prayers, even in their weakness, and God acts. All right? So the first thing we should do, given this, this crazy tumult of a world that we're in, is we should pray. Okay? We should pray. And not just, dear God, please help my toilet to stop overflowing, but God, have mercy on Syria. Let your kingdom come in Syria. 
God, let all the women who are being sex trafficked, not on our watch, Lord, let it be that here in New England and in this country, or anywhere for that matter, just whatever your focus is for prayer in that moment, Lord, ooh, and we groan. And for those of you who, I don't, I don't have to open this can of worms, but I will because it'll be fun, and then I'll let all the worms go everywhere. But for those of you who pray in tongues, you pray in tongues. I, I believe that's what Paul is talking about. When he says pray in the Spirit, I believe he is referencing tongues there, okay? Yes, I said it. Okay. All right. And you can send me all the emails you want. But I just, so whether you have tongues or not, it doesn't matter. Some of you have the gift, some of you, some of you don't. If you've got the gift, use it and pray in tongues and groan, okay? Because the Spirit of God is trying to get something out of you. If you don't walk in that gift, you're not condemned. You're totally loved and you're a part of the body just like anyone else. There, I said it all. Amen. Thank you, God. Just, just pray, okay? Either groan or... Grown in tongues, or grown in, yeah, just grown, grown, grown. Okay? That's, that's what we do. <clears throat> okay, what else should we do? We pray, and then I think, once again, Peter kind of beats Paul on this one. Sorry, Paul. I'll see you in heaven. <clears throat> but Peter says, I mean, Peter said, you know what Peter says of Paul? He says, you guys know in, in the scripture it says, Peter says, Paul's confusing. So I feel justified up here, right? <laughs> All right, <clears throat> Peter says this. And just bear with me on this, these seven verses. 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19. Beloved, do not be surprised. So we shouldn't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Here we go. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. In other words, God shakes. He, uh, the earth shakes, and he shakes our lives. He shook me and Kelsey's lives so that what could come out would be more pure and more true and more real with more integrity. And if it begins with us, 17b, if judgment begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Okay? Just for all the unrighteousness that's going on the earth, we have to remember judgment will come. Lord, have mercy on them. And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Here we go, verse 19. Therefore, let those... Oh, sorry, I'm just kidding. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yes, no, it's right. Okay. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will, here it is, entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. In other words, what are we to do? Our job is to commit our heart to God and keep doing good. We commit ourselves to God and we keep doing good. (laughs) Yes, yes. We commit ourselves to God and we keep doing good. We want to be like those churches in the Ukraine that are welcoming the refugees in the midst of total disaster and trial. When the hurricane comes and and, and batters New England. We want to be the ones who are, have our wits about us and can help people who are um, struggling. And the other thing that I'll suggest, and it's kind of the very purpose of these, of these couple of weeks that we'll spend in the Psalms, is I will suggest that you pray the Psalms. I will suggest that in 2015, you renew a desire to be in the Psalms. Martin Luther... The great reformer called the Psalms the Bible in miniature. The whole story of salvation is in the Psalms. 
Martin Luther in 1527, this is 10 years after he posted his 99 theses on the door, saying, hey, body of Christ, we're, we're abusing some things here. Things are messed up. He found himself in one of the greatest difficulties of his life. The Black Plague was sweeping across Germany and, and through much of Europe. His son almost died, and his own body was fainting under all the mounting pressure. Luther was not a popular guy with all the leaders in the Catholic Church. He wasn't going to become a martyr, but Luther was, uh, definitely uh, had a few problems. And it's then that he found himself in Psalm 46, and it's then that he penned the psalm that many of us know, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. You guys know that song? You ever watch, wait, this, I'm going to date myself right here. You know Sunday morning cartoons, David and Goliath, the little claymation guys? A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Third verse. And though this world with devils filled. Do you feel it? I do some days. Are my whole family sick right now? And being with our family of origin has its challenges. We love them. And it has its challenges. They're not devils. The devil's the devil, just to be clear. But, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. And one little word, we have to remember this, one little word will fell him. That word is coming. It's, it's prophesied in Isaiah. Jesus says it with the breath of his lips. He's going to end this thing. We have to remember that. So my encouragement, Matt, as the band gets ready, my encouragement to us is we need to get into that river. Get into the river that makes the city of God glad by getting in the Psalms. And that's where you can find this river is in the Psalms. And you just start to pray the Psalms. And you be with God in the Psalms. You get in that river. You jump in that river by being in the Psalms. In the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32, it says, the people who know their God will display strength and take action. We know God by spending time with Him. We know God by being in His presence, by spending time in that river. And I guarantee that in 2015, there's going to be times when the body of Christ needs to display strength and take action. And the people who will be able to do it are those who have been in the river, who are in the presence of God, who know Him. Amen? No matter what, what matters is God. No matter what's coming down the pike in 2015, what matters is God. He is our refuge. He's a very present help in trouble. Why don't we stand? And we're going to sing a modern version of Luther's hymn. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, in your mercy, you reveal truth to us.
Lord, the kingdoms of darkness and light are becoming ever more clear as history proceeds. As history gallops to the finish line, the darkness is getting darker, but thank God the lighter is getting lighter and clearer. It's becoming more clear that salvation belongs to our God, that there's no other name under heaven by which people can be saved but the name of Jesus. So we're grateful for that. Lord, we surrender to you our fears and our concerns, both personal and global, both internal and external. Say, Father, we just trust you again today to be our refuge and our strength and to be a very present help in all of our troubles. In Jesus' name.